Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes. Today we're sitting down with Jordan Harvey, making the move from Scotland to Nashville way back in 2018. We talked to Kenny Rogers, Johnny Cash, Keith Urban, all pretty cool inspirations in his career and where he is today. Started off playing the pubs, getting on a TV show similar to The Voice over in Scotland from the BBC. We talked to college football, yeah, Alabama, Auburn, Nebraska, and Ohio State. His first show ever was in Vegas, folks. It really was. We even got into Biffy Clyro. Let's get to know Jordan Harvey. Welcome to another episode of Toad's <laughs> Tunes. Tell people who the hell you are, man. So my name is Jordan Harvey, and as you can tell, I am from Texas. No, I'm actually from uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, and I'm a country artist based in Nashville, Tennessee. And you were just holding on to the one and only crystal ball. Uh, we got that from a guy by the name of Lucas Hogue. Nice. I don't know if you've heard that name. Um, he sent it, just came in the mail one day, and so we're like, shit, we're just going to put it in here and let people touch it. Touch Lucas's ball. I've touched, a, I've, honestly, Lucas, I've been rubbing your ball for the last five minutes, so it's been a privilege. Dude, welcome to Las Vegas. Welcome to Stoney's Rockin' Country, finally. Yes, legend. Legend. I love it. So last night you got to play Life is Beautiful. We're not counting that as your first show in Vegas because that was a festival. That doesn't count. Correct. How's Vegas been treating you on the slot machines? We'll start there. So I'll tell you, I uh, I got off the plane in, uh, is it McCran Airport? McCarran. McCarran, well, aye. They call it fucking Reed, but whatever. Yeah, yeah I'll McCarran. Just, I'll, I'll go with McCarran. call it McCarran. Yeah. Um, so we got off it, and I had a $5 bill in my pocket, and because I, I, I never carry cash, but for some reason there was $5 there. It's probably my girlfriend's. And uh, I just went up to the slot machine. We were waiting for my manager to get off the plane, threw that baby in, pulled the lever twice because it was 250 spins. 140 bucks, bro. Straight it was there. you hit like three sevens or three bars or something. I, I did. Do you see all my story? I did. Did I hit three sevens? One must sell like 40 bucks. It was kind of a shitty machine. Well, that I mean, should have paid you like 10 million, dude. It paid me like 40 fucking bucks. So I literally took my money and I was in. I gambled today in roulette. I was up to like 95 bucks and then I just splurged it all, lost it all, got overly confident and then yeah, I just kind of I lost my 40 did bucks. Did you? Bro. Uh, did you play roulette because it's it's easy? I just feel like roulette, there's just not much brain power involved, you know? Right. You just kind of say, hey. Did you pick a number or red or black? What'd dude, you do? I have a lucky number. Look on my wrist. That is seven. That is seven. Lucky number seven. It was my jersey when I used to play American football. Yeah. And it was my number when I played soccer. Yeah. And uh, yeah, dude, it's just, it's always served me well, except from. It didn't work. <laughs> no. For today. Lost me money, bro. <laughs> my favorite number is 11, but I don't ever, I don't really ever bet that. Maybe I should, because I play a lot of craps. That's a fun game to like go try and figure out. I still don't I'm not even coming close to mastering that game. I probably know about fifty percent of it. And it's fun. I enjoy it. Dude, I watched my manager play craps last night and it was the first time I'd ever seen someone play craps. And I just didn't understand what was going on. It took me about I would say a solid twenty minutes to realize, oh, don't throw a seven when the puck's on the table. Yeah. That dude, I was like, What is this? It was like a mind game to Did me. he win? I think he did. I think he won like 75 bucks or 80 bucks. Uh, so on Thursdays, we go to the South Point, which is kind of like a, a local spot here. And we eat dinner, Chinese food inside a cafe. Sounds, Ooh, let's go. sounds, but it's the best Chinese food in town. I don't care what anybody says. But <laughs> when then we always go play craps, I play with, with, with I, I call her grandma. It's my girl's mom. And um, we played this past Thursday night. I put $200 down. I had like 680 in front of me. No. Yeah, I was up high. And then my buddy John and my buddy and his girlfriend, Cammie, um, they got to roll after me. And so in my first roll, I rolled for like 25 minutes. Everyone at the table won. Just win, 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 win. 
Then John rolled shitty. Cammy rolled <laughs> shitty. Grandma rolled shitty. So then it came back around. Well, Grandma decides to leave. I had like close to seven hundred bucks in front of me. I'm like, yeah. I should, probably should go. And I'm like, ah, eh, John's gonna roll next. We'll see how he does. He's been doing shitty, so maybe he'll have one good roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he rolls his point, and I put out all this money, and then he rolls a seven, lose all my money, and then I'm like, Cammy, shit, she's been rolling nines all night. I'll stick around with her. So she rolls. I put all my money out there. She rolls a seven, lost all that, and I said, I'm done. Oh, I'm just done. <laughs> bro, I-, I didn't lose, but I didn't win the six eighty. I think I walked at three eighty, and I put two hundred in, so I won one hundred eighty bucks. Dude, we literally had the same thing today. We were on the uh, the blackjack table, and we had this like awesome. What you call it, dealer? Yeah, her. yeah. She's fucking dealing. We're like winning, winning, winning. We're blackjack. All up, like, yeah, bro. Yep. We're all up big. We're all up big. We're all up big. She decides to like switch over. So I was like, I know new what's dealer. Coming. Yeah, Dude, we lost it all. Like, and I was like, why are you leaving us? Like, we're on a run. And then this new dealer came in, and she kind of just like sabotaged us. Right. She was I, telling us like, oh, hit now, and I'm at like 17, and I'm listening to her because you know I'm an inexperienced guy from Scotland with a. But I actually don't have any type of gambling addiction. It was the second right. time I've gambled in my life. So she could see it in my eyes that I was a rookie, a freshman, and she took me for that. We should go she back t- and tackle her. She granted, yeah, just, you know, kick it in the shin next time I see her. Right. I mean, I'm not mad at it. Yeah. So let's talk about your move from overseas to Nashville. When did that happen? So I moved over to Nashville in, I'd probably say it was May 2017. Was it? No, May 2018, maybe? It was something around then. Because what year are we in? 22. So, no, yeah, it was May 2018. And basically, I had graduated from college in, over in Edinburgh. And I was out playing in the bars and stuff like that. And just, like, playing acoustic tunes. And mom and dad are huge, you know, Johnny Cash fans and Kenny Rogers fans. My mom used to always sing, like, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. And uh, my dad used to wear pajamas and pretend he was a man in black. And, you know, he'd watch TV in his black pajamas and be like, I'm the man in black. I'd be like, no, you're just a... Just guy drinking fucking whiskey, you know, watching right, Love watching Island. TV and yeah, <laughs> watching Love Island. And uh, so basically, I actually, I was, I was doing all these pub gigs and stuff, playing these country songs, and then I got a call from the BBC, which is kind of like your ABC, NBC, right. asking me to go on like the equivalent of The Voice over in the UK. I was like, and at the time, I was doing acoustic gigs, but I was, I was working as a session drummer. It was kind of like my main bread and butter. And then the acoustic gigs were kind of like my added bread and butter. And I always had this real passion for, for drumming, um, and then when the music thing was kind of, when I started doing the acoustic gigs for more extra money, I was like, oh shit, like maybe I like this more. So I got a call from BBC to, to audition for this thing. And I ended up coming third, um, which was freaking awesome. Huge. So yeah, it was massive, man. It was a huge turning point in my life at that moment. Because what happened after that, as I went back home, my dad said to me, I think you should move to Nashville. And I was like, well, with what money? I have like $2,000 to my name. Did he, just out of the blue, he says? Honestly, out of the blue. It was just like, you should go to Nashville. You know, I feel like there's a massive gap in the market for someone that's Scottish in country music. It's a fair statement. It's a massive statement because when I thought about it more, um, we have a channel over in the UK called Sky TV. And it basically is kind of like your spectrum or whatever you want to call it, your cable. Right. And um, we would play the CMA Awards. It would have like on repeat, um, on demand, so you could kind of, click it um, to watch, watch it. the CMA Awards. Right. So I remember I watched it one year and Keith Urban played like Wasted Time and I was like, oh shit, this is amazing. Luke Bryan did like Hunt and Fishing, yeah. Loving Every Day. It was, a re- it was a really, really great concert. And I remember just sitting on my sofa watching a bowl of ice, uh, eating a bowl of ice cream watching this. And I was, and this was right after the conversation my dad and I had. So I'm like, okay, well, Keith, you know, being Australian, he came over 25, 28 years ago, however long it was. You right. know, and he flew the flag for Australia and came over. So I thought, well, I just want to go and see what America's all about. And I know that there's a direct correlation because 
you know, folk music and country music, if you want to talk about storytelling, is absolutely unbelievable. Right. You know, just, just throw a steel guitar in it and you got country. A hundred percent. If you had, I'm telling you right now, if you some of these unbelievable Scotch Irish folk songs, if you had Garth cut them or you know, you had some other legends cut these songs, they would be they'd be great country songs. Right. Absolutely. Um because the storytelling in them is phenomenal. Um so basically, I, c- I come over to Nashville, and I know absolutely nobody. I know you came by yourself. Yeah, I came by myself, dude. I had two thousand dollars. My f- my plane ticket cost me seven hundred bucks, so I was down to thirteen hundred bucks. I booked an Airbnb for a week in Nashville, which cost me like four hundred bucks. So I was down to like nine hundred bucks, and I was meant to be here for like two weeks. So I fly into New York. I've got one friend in America who's a drummer, and we met through like some drum conference thing. I, I stayed two nights with him in New York. Fly into Nashville. Go to my Airbnb. He calls me and says, hey, there, I have a couple of friends on Sunday going to a pool party. You should go meet someone. I don't know anyone at this point. So I go along and I meet these people. By yourself. By myself. Meet these people. Hang out. I end up meeting one of my lifelong friends. Um, she took me in and like gave me a place to stay because um, my Airbnb was only meant to last for a week. And then I was meant to go and stay with this other woman who told me that she had de-demonized her room. And I was like in the middle of the fucking woods in Tennessee. So I was kind of like petrified. Yeah, I don't want to go there. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go there. So Sam took me in, uh, one of my dearest friends. So I started staying there and I just kept, basically, I'd, I'd stay there for a few weeks. I'd come back to Scotland and play acoustic gigs, make save up some more money. money, save money, go back over. And I just kept doing this. And um, one thing it kept hitting me was every Uber I got into, every bar I went into, they're like, are you from Scotland? Like, I'm Scottish. Like, my granddad's Irish. Like, right. I'm Irish. I'm like, yes. Like, they love Scottish people. So, in that respect, I was like, okay, there definitely is a market for this if it's done the right way. So I just kept coming back and forward. And then the guy I actually stayed with in the Airbnb originally in Tennessee was a drummer in a band on Broadway. So he got his girlfriend pregnant and they had to move back to North Carolina to get a real job, like what she said, yeah. uh, which I think is bullshit because music is a real job, you know. You know, he kind of sold himself, sold himself. We so we won't talk about him anymore. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he moved back to. Uh, to North Carolina and that that seat was open so I jumped into the seat and took the drumming job so I was playing on Tootsies I was playing in Honky Tonk Central I was playing in Rippies I was playing in like Kid Rocks and I was doing that four nights a week so this like really started to get like the wheels turning so the wheels were turning in Tennessee I'm like okay cool I'm there playing on Broadway and I was doing like the 10 to 2 shifts in the morning <laughs> like 10pm to 2 and uh, yeah I, I kept doing that I kept doing that and then the guy who's actually playing drums for me tonight here at the legendary Stonies, thank you all so much for having me um who is my musical director also plays drums for lady a which is incredible um, and he's looking after me he actually calls me one day and goes so there's this thing come up on jam card and i think you should do it you know it's a kind of like addition process like a get together process well that thing ultimately led to me being in king calloway Right. So he was the guy that opened the door for me. So I end up in this band after this two years of um, Broadway. Uh, two years of Broadway. I then go on to have this like great two or three years with those guys. Love all those guys. They're incredible guys. So much fun. And then we hit the pandemic. And it's like, okay. And I think a lot of people pivoted in the pandemic. And I think what happened is I went back. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Blue Valor. <laughs> and uh, get yours now at your local store. And uh, I we pivoted and I was writing so much in the pandemic because I think people went either way in the pandemic. They either went inside themselves or people went, okay, I'm going to take this time to, you know, try my best to better myself or better my craft. And then when the floodgates open, I'm ready to go. Sure. And I took that approach because I was back in Scotland with my mom and dad. During the pandemic? During the pandemic. I was touring Europe with the boys. And then when, when the thing hit, I was like, I have to go home because I don't want my mom and dad to like worry about their son. 
you know, and I didn't know if they could get to me or if I could get to them. So I go home, move back into my little my little house with my mum and dad and uh, in this 6,000 person town that I grew up in in Scotland. And I just started writing songs, like so many songs. All the time I was doing writes with pe- Zoom writes with writers in Nashville. So so let's jump into the whole Zoom writing yeah. thing. What, did, did you enjoy that process of Zoom writing? Because yeah. I've heard multiple you know uh, ideas of good bad or in, in indifferent because mm-hmm. the the lag that's there there's not the the true connection between people how was your experience with it mate i absolutely loved it like truly loved it because it was my it was my break in my day because you know i'm 6 hours in front of everyone when i was in scotland that's 6 hours ahead of nashville time so right. usually in um nashville writing starts at 11am that's usually usually do about 11 to 5 give or take you know, an hour or so either side. So usually it was 11 to 5, which means it was 5 o'clock my time, but everyone in the pandemic wanted to write slightly later. So I ended up writing at like 7, 8 o'clock at night. Now, I actually broke the rules of the Scottish government, which actually, you know, kind of probably shouldn't have done, but we weren't really meant to leave our houses, but my buddy owned a studio like 10 minutes from me. So you could leave your house to go to the gas station or if you were going to deliver something. And the guy who, a friend of mine who owned the studio was an elderly guy. So I would go to the store, I'd pick up food, and then I'd drive to the studio. I never got stopped by the police once, which was great, but I could have. And I'd drive to the studio, I'd set up my laptop, because no one was in the studio, it was just me. He wasn't even there. And I had this whole recording studio to myself. So I'd just go in, pull Andy and Kevin and my co-writers up on the big screen, have a bottle of whiskey, wish I had Blue Valor, get yours now. And uh, (laughs) I'd sit sit there and I'd write, man, just me in this room. I was away from my folks. I love them dearly, but I just, it was my time. And that became like my place. I had like a fridge in there. I stocked up with like beers and I slept there sometimes. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote and I wrote. And basically what happened was we got to this pivotal point in the pandemic where, you know, the guys wanted to shift sonically. And I think that I wouldn't have being very beneficial to that I, I i'm more turned on by like the more pop country stuff that's sure. kind of where i'm from and they wanted to go down a bit of, of a more rootsy um track and we both we all just had this conversation and it was very amicable and it was very much like well i love you and i support you and they could tell that i was kind of pulling strings as well if that makes sense and they were like well we love and support you and they were like so why don't you go and chase your dreams and we'll be fans of you and we're going to do what we're doing and you be fans of us and i was like yeah and we're all still friends good you know we're all still great friends you know love those guys love their music love what they're doing um and now i get to branch off and all these songs i've been writing in the pandemic were in that style of what I love, pop country. Well, because you were doing you. Because I was doing me, authentically me. And I think that that was my biggest benefit from the pandemic was I was able to slow down and really look inside myself and be like, who am I? And where do I want to see myself in five years? And it was, it was, it was honestly, it was me being me. And there's nothing wrong with that. Dude, it's absolutely nothing. So wh- how, did, how did you meet this Alabama girl? So basically, I come back from Scotland with, uh, with all these songs I'd written and... I was kind of coming back to to meet the label and all this sort of stuff. And my buddy calls me and goes, you know, do you want to come to this party on Sunday? Now, I've been locked up in my fucking house for six months. So I haven't, haven't, haven't seen a You're female. Like, I'll I've, be there Saturday. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I haven't seen a girl. I haven't seen anything. So I was like, yeah, of course, man. I'd love to. Pool party outside. And um, it's kind of funny because you mentioned one of your good buddies who Stoney's has had a bunch is Adam Warner. Yeah. So I'm going to this pool party and it's ad- actually one of Adam Warner's good pal's girlfriends. So... I go to this. Uh, I go to this pool party. Adam was not there this time, sadly. Um, but so I go to the pool party, and my friend's there, who's female, and she's you know got her boyfriend. And there was a couple other girls there, and they're really sweet. But I've known them for a while, so I was like, oh, like okay, so it's just going to be this party. 
Well, then Outsteps is girl. And now, I have to say this. I love cake. Dude, like, I love cake. That's my guilty pleasure. So this Vanilla, girl, chocolate, just, dude, just, just cake. Red velvet, bro. Red velvet. Give me red velvet cake any day of the week, and I will destroy that thing. So I'm kind of like, okay, cool. This is fine. And I'm, I'm throwing the ball with my buddy. And then the doors open because it's a birthday party. This girl walks out. Massive cake. White icing, the full nine yards. This thing's glowing with candles. And I'm like, oh my God, there's literally a princess walking with a cake. Mm-hmm. This like gorgeous girl, like so beautiful. And straight away, I was like, there's no way like this girl is going to be, you know, she's going to be tough work, surely. I go up to her, we start chatting, blew me away. Straight from that second, after f- literally talking to her for two minutes, this is no bullshit. I knew I was going to spend the rest of my life with that person. That's fucking badass. Yeah, I knew I was going to spend the rest of my life with that person. So we had a day, man. We played cornhole, we hung out. Like, and the funniest thing was I went to give her my number and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, sure. She was like, oh, you and I are going to be, like, best of friends. And I was like, shit, did you Damn just try it, friends just friends on me, bro? Dude. <laughs> well, to cut a long story short, we got, I got the date out of it a week later, man. And, you know, we're, we're two years down the line now. Awesome. Cl- close to engagement, so. Easy know. song to write? <sighs> you know what? I was down in Dothan. It was in the pandemic. It was February 2021, January 2021, just coming out of the pandemic. And I'm down in Dothan, Alabama. And... My girlfriend went to UA. She went to the University of Alabama. And her, fa- her sister, her father, her grandpa, and her great-grandpa all went to Auburn, right? Jeez. So, exactly. So, my, my good buddy, my great co-writer, Andy Albert, who's helped me really, you know, put my sound together, written a bunch of great songs. His most recent one was Thinking About You, Dustin and, and Mackenzie Porter. Great songwriter. Great dude. And my other buddy, um, Kevin Bard, who just wrote uh, Just The Way for Blanco and Partly. Right. Great writers, great dudes. We, we jump on, we jump on Zoom. So I'm down in Dothan. I go into my, my girlfriend's dad's office, and I'm sitting in this office, and I have this idea for this song, and I could see they're not really feeling it. And then Andy jumps out and goes, "Hey, like, why don't we write a song called Alabama Girl?" And immediately I go, "Dude, that's gonna suck. Like, it's gonna be so cringy. This is gonna be awful. Like, how are we gonna spin this in a really cool way?" So he basically goes, "Okay, let me just give me a second. And this is the beauty about Zoom. Like when you're writing in a room with people, people are always singing or they're talking or they're playing on the guitar. You just go zink and hit mute. So you're you yeah. know, quiet. You hit mute on your computer and you hit mute on your microphone. They can't hear you and like we can't hear them. So he mutes himself. We mute ourselves. Five minutes goes by. He's writing on a notepad. He's got his guitar. He's singing. Turns it back on. He goes, what happens if the middle of the chorus was... Down here, I'm a fish out of water. Boy from across the pond. She likes my accent, and I love her draw yelling roll tide. And some blah, 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 blah. Now my whole world's an Alabama girl. I went, bro, you've just written the song. Done. That's it. And we built the whole thing around that. And the funniest thing about that is I wrote a song about my girlfriend who went to the University of Alabama surrounded by Auburn memorabilia that was all around my girlfriend's dad's office. A signed Bo Jackson helmet was literally in my eyesight as I wrote a song about roll tide. So roll tight, let's go. And they won today. They won today. Dude. Nebraska did not win today. Dude, we had a rough one last week against Texas. So that's probably one of. The, and we 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 talked about this earlier that that I I my uh, I was asked if I cared who won the game, who yeah. I was rooting for, and I said, well, you know, uh, if Texas wins, I want them to win out the whole season because yeah. I don't want Alabama to go down and that be their only loss. But it was a tough game. But they did lose the number one position to Georgia because of that game. They did. But I kind of like being the guy that's behind though. Yeah. You know, like I kind of like the team that's behind because when you are number one, you have to kind of stick to that. You know what I mean? So now that you're number two, you've got something to prove. And I feel yeah. like that gives you, you a little bit more of an that. edge. Yeah, I, It has to. Psychologically, it has to give you some degree of an edge because knowing that organization, 
as little as I do. However, which I'll get to a really cool story about Alabama in a second. And seeing that organization and, and being included in that organization in some way, I've seen what football means to these people. There's no way that Nick Saban sitting at home being like, ah, number two, love it, guys. There's no way Bryce Young no. sitting there being God, like, oh, no. I love this. You know, They're like, hell no. fucking we, no. Yeah, we're going to get back to number oh, one. Oh, and they yes, will. If fair. there's any one coach that's going to get his team back to number one, it's Nick Saban. I was watching uh, this morning. Urban Meyer used to coach uh, for Ohio State, who I can't stand. Yes. Then he went into pros for a year. I think he fired him. He's not. But he showed up in Nebraska on Tuesday this week. Ooh. We just fired our coach last week, Scott Frost, in Nebraska. I say we like it's my team. <laughs> but... uh I am a fan. Oh, yeah. And um, there was a whole bunch of shirts this morning at um, the football show that was on before the game, and they're all saying, um, it said, uh, we want Urban, and the N in Urban was the N of Nebraska. So I don't know how I feel about that because I wasn't a huge Ohio State fan, um, but I think it would be kind of cool. Was he ever at Florida with Tebow? No, I th- I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. I can't. I don't. He... Seems like he might have been. I think he might have been at, at there with Tebow. With Tim, Tim, Tim and then Tebow. he did go. Yeah, you said he went to Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you don't want him in Nebraska, bro. Did you see what he did to Jacksonville? Well, that's pro. That's not even the same thing. Yeah, did you see when he was like partying and shit? Yeah. Come I mean, what, he's human. Whatever. Yeah, we all are. I, right? just, <laughs> I, guess, I guess. Yeah. Dude, you want, you want Jim Harbaugh, bro, from Michigan? That's your boy. No. That's your boy. Fuck no. John Harbaugh, bro. I'm a Ravens fan. I love no. the Harbaugh. You are. And when I'm an Eagles fan, I don't even know anything about and pro football that much anymore. I do love the Eagles. I will tell you, I do have. A, I'm not just saying that because it's you. I've always had a soft spot for the Eagles back in like the Donovan McNabb and the Terrell Owens era. Like I just Terrell love Owens, that awesome. Team. I'll go back further. I loved Ron Jaworski. Like as oh. a, that's probably way before your time. Mm-hmm. Let's talk music in Scotland. I yes. have a band that I absolutely love that nobody knows who the hell Twin they Atlantic. are. Huh? Twin Atlantic. I know who they are, but oh, no, it's not them. Biffy Clyro? Dude, Biffy Clyro. I love Biffy Clyro. Mon the Biff, right? Yeah, they're fire, man. And Dude. you would never think they're Scottish. No, you would never think they're Scottish. No. So they've played here four times. I've seen them three. And I just I just went and saw them um, probably like four months ago. They played here again. Wow. I've never seen them with more than 600 people in a room, ever. And... You, you look overseas and they sell out Wembley. Oh, it's, dude, it's, they're incredible. Yeah. They literally are absolutely incredible. Like, they, 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 they've had so many unbelievable records. Or like, that Bubbles song yes. and stuff. Like, I love it's that creative. Stuff. Very creative, man. They had, what was that? Was, what was the album they had? Something in the Machine, right? Something what? Something Machine. Did they not have that record? Um, I'm going to look at my phone right now. I'm going to tell you right now. Because I, I grew up listening to this album. So I was introduced to Bubbles by my buddy Nick and the, and Mountain, that other song. Um, and I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And then when they came out with the double album with Opposites, I think it's called Opposites. Yes. I listened to every song on that album and went, holy shit balls. Dude, puzzle. Puzzle, yes. That is yes. un... But yeah. like, that, that, what was the one they had? This was the one that I grew up listening to. The Folding Stars. When they did the... Yo, Yes. Yes. Oh, dude, they're awesome, man. So here's what happened to me. There's a band called Ocean Size. It's from London. Okay. Leeds, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. And the lead singer was Mike Vinart. Right. And I went to South by Southwest early 2000s, yeah. I think it was. And it was the only time they've ever played in the States. And they played at South by Southwest. And there was yeah. a writer here, a music writer here, Mike Prevat. It goes, dude, there's two bands you need to see. And one of them was Ocean Size. The other one yep. was uh, My Vitriol. Okay. And so I saw them both. Well, I was, I used to drink back then. I'm holding my Citron and Seven in my hand, and Let's I go. hear f- like four guitars. And I'm like, you hear the dun 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 dun. And I was like, what the fuck? And I turn yeah. around. I watched their whole set, didn't even drink. I was that in, good. I, it was that good. I was blown away. And I'm just like sitting there going, oh my God. Holy so shit. 
we'll move forward like 10, 15 years, my buddy Nick introduced me to um, Biffy Clyro. And I'm like, man, whatever. It's, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. Like, it's different. But, well, then all of a sudden they start touring and Mike Vinart goes out on the road with them. So now all of a sudden I've got this, this, this biased opinion of the band because I love Vinart. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and then I go see them and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Then they come out with this double album. And then I'm like, holy cow. And so now I'm a super fan that I talk to, Ben is the drummer. I talk, I talk to him online all, all the time. I'm like, bro, like, you don't understand like how like full circle this is for me because I at first you know I'm very honest with the people yeah. always I'm like I wasn't a fan in the beginning I was a fan but nothing that I would chase down right, and now gotcha. now they put out this new album they got this new song called New Earth song called Wolves of Winter and right. I introduced it to my buddy Dave and he was like oh you know if you would and then he listens to that song he's like Jesus Christ dude mm-hmm. to now he goes and sees them when they come to town but it's just this thing that Biffy that it's so weird about music is that you look at overseas take a band like the Killers over here they Welcome. were they were nothing they're from Vegas. They are, of yes. course. They're from Vegas. They go overseas, they become this huge band. Like, nobody gave a shit about them here no. until they went overseas and they get this big deal. Then all of a sudden, look at Biffy. Biffy's trying to expand out of the UK, the Scotland, UK, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And they uh-huh. come to the States and nobody knows who the hell they are. And I watch them play in, I watch them play at a room called Vinyl that the caps maybe 400. Wow. Maybe 200 people in the room. Then I watch them play at the Hard Rock Cafe on the strip when there's maybe 500 people there. Then they just played the House of Blues and there was maybe 600 people there. They didn't even open up the upstairs. It was just the downstairs, maybe a third full. I'm blown away because I love the music. Dude, they're so good. And live, dude, there's not too many things that can touch that band. You got a brother, uh, bass player, brother drummer, you know? Yes. And then... Um, very handsome lead singer as well. Very good looking dude. Simon. Simon, yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. And it's funny, man. I, I, a little uh, little thing, I don't really talk about that much, but back in 20... I think like 2011 to about 2015, maybe even later than that, maybe 2016, 2017. I actually was a drummer in a in a band called the OK Social Club, and the OK Social Club. I came up on the same circuit as a band called Catfish and the Bottleman. So we were I've really, heard of them. yeah, we were yeah. really good buddies. Catfish blew up, um, and it was us and Catfish, and we played a show with Biffy. But yeah, I was in this like rock indie alternate band. Uh, playing drums back when I was like 16 and what? toured all over the Europe and I have to turn you on to the record man the record I will was, listen the to the record it. was great nothing in common was her was her debut album and it was really great man but we got to play with Biffy and I will tell you they were just like the sweetest dudes they 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 seem like a machine they when they when they put out opposites that double album they did a video of the whole making of the album yep. and drummer and uh, ended up in rehab like like yeah. almost like it was a bad thing but you watch it and then my thought is what a ballsy move to put out a double album. And it's probably been seven or eight years since it's been out, but who does that anymore? And I then mean, you've got a guy like Morgan Wallen that yeah. comes out and with a banger. I know, dude. Yeah, which just, I mean, song after song after song. I don't know? think there's one bad song on that. I don't Not think one. there's one bad song on that. How did you get hooked up with Cappy over at Make Way? So I, uh, I'm trying to think how this happened. I always knew of Cap and admired Cappy, you know, immensely for everything that Cappy has achieved in the music industry. He's, you know, just a very uh, well-respected guy in the yeah. music industry. And I had a buddy um, who used to work as part of the record label, part of Broken Bow Records. And we would work on social media together when I was in the band. Well, Cap, who's very smart, saw that Tyler, you know, had this potential as a manager. I think that Tyler maybe got a coffee with Cap or something. And I think, you know, it was like one of these things, much like my girlfriend and I, when I met her, I was like, you're my girl. Like, yeah. I think when he met Tyler, he was like, I have a position for you. I can see That's the my potential dude. in you. That's my boy. Like, yeah. you know, I can see Cap's, Cap's, Cap's a smart guy. He's got good intuition. So Ka- uh, Tyler leaves BBR and goes and joins Makewick. Now, Makewick is Cappy's management group, you know. Got a bunch of phenomenal managers there and, and everyone else that's part of that whole organization. Great artists. 
So I get this call this probably November last year. Um, and it was Tyler from Makeweek, who obviously my buddy. And he said, what the hell's happening with you? Like, what's going on? Like, you know, I'm not seeing anything. And I was like, oh, dude, I have this record. Like, you know, I've been, the, the, the label put me in development until kind of summer 2022. They just said, you know, top of 2022 is just going to be an absolute bull rush of new artists coming out. The floodgates are going to open and every label that's held artists over the pandemic, they're coming out hard. So he's like, my, my head of my label, who's very, again, talk about smart people, John Lobo, love the guy to death. He was like, we're holding you till the end of summer. I know you, it, this is the thing he told me. He was like, because I care so much about you, I'm not going to give you what you want because what you want is to put music out right now and I will not do that to you. And he actually said to me, he said, I said the same thing to Jason Aldean when I signed him. He said, it's all time and it's in my brain. And he said, I'm not putting anything on you, out on you until the end of summer. So I trusted him, which I'm so grateful I did because he's, he's the man. Tyler calls, tell him the story. He's like, dude, let's get coffee. I just want to hear what you're doing. I was like, cool, let's get coffee. So we grab coffee at a shop in, in Nashville and I'm like, do you want to jump in my, you know, my, Nissan, my 2015 Nissan Rogue, bro? with my, you know, crackly speakers and listen to my record. He's like, hell yeah. So we jump in the Rogue, Randy, Randy the Rogue, named after Randy Hauser, legend, <laughs> Dancing uh, in the Moonlight, leg- one of the best singers in country music. Uh, I'm going to interrupt you for yeah. one second. He is one of those artists that I will never get sick of watching. He plays here a lot. He's the best. For private events. The nicest dude. Dude, and he's the, the nicest Moonlight, sorry. dude. Yeah. And, and, yes. Smash. Um, he, when he plays at private events, no set list. He just gets up there and just no, wins dude, it. He's, he's fucking phenomenal. Dude, one of the best things I've ever seen Hauser do was he picked up an electric, just started picking the electric, and I can't remember the song he sang, but he just wailed. Yeah. And I'm just watching this guy going like, he's, in my opinion, no offense to Hauser, one of the most underrated guys yes. in country music. And I, that goes for songs, that goes for talent. In terms of vocals... And delivery. One million percent. That's a guy that I remember I saw him for the first time and I was like... The guy's a star. And it's not so much the stage presence of him. It's, it's something else. It's not, he's not like a Jagger. You know, you go and watch Jagger, you're just like, holy shit, it's like yeah. a pinball. You can't that's, keep up with him. That's yeah. like my guy. Jagger's yeah. my guy. But with Hauser, he was just that guy standing in the middle of the stage, singing his heart out, and I believed everything he was saying. He, uh, he played Country Fan Fest a few years back, and um, Cody Johnson was on that. Luke Combs was on that. Yep. Brett Young was on it. Mm-hmm. And um, I walked away from there, and I had the question asked to me a million times, um, what was your favorite part of the show? And I... And my answer was Ran- Randy Hauser. Mm-hmm. I mean, and dude, Kojo's badass. Luke Holmes is badass. Yep. They all just have their own thing. But when I sit there and, and I get sold by Randy Hauser, yeah. there's no selling. No. Not that the other guys have to sell, but the end of the day is he, his, his musical choice, his band. I always like to say his delivery. because dude, he, the man. He will shut everybody up in a crowd. You don't oh, talk. You dude. just don't talk. You listen because you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, Hauser's the man. And the fact that he's this. So he was here doing this private event. Yeah. Plays this song for the first time live. It's not even released yet. It's called Note to Self, his latest one. Oh, yeah, I love it. The first time I ever saw it was, I'm getting the chills. First time I ever saw it was live, and I couldn't move. I started recording. I just set my phone down because it didn't matter. No. I, I, this was for me. It wasn't for anybody else. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ, this song. Yes. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. And it was electric acoustic, but he's just sitting up there by himself. And I'm like, my God. Dude, he's the only guy that can, he's one of the very few guys that can do that, though. You know, straight yes. off the bat with a song that you don't know. Yes. Okay, so go back. He's great. So I'm back in I'm back in Randy, Randy Hers of the Rogue. And um I play Tyler the first song, um, which I think it was actually Alabama Girl. It was. And I remember as soon as the end of the chorus hit, he laughed, he burst out laughing and fist pumped and he was like, This is awesome. So I played him the whole record and he was like, Holy shit, this is great. I need to send this to Cap. And I was like, dude, I'll give it to you. And it was over it was over the Christmas period. I think Cap was out of town. 
Well, he sends it to Cap, and apparently Cap replies and goes, holy shit, this is awesome. This record's phenomenal. Yeah. So Cappy calls me in. I go for my first meeting. Me and Cap talk it out for like, it was maybe like half an hour of the meeting. I think Cap and I spoke for like two and a half hours. Fell in love with Cap immediately. And um, Cap was like, cool, just, you know, let's meet again in a couple months and we'll see where we're at. So it was actually a month later. And I'm thinking, I need to make a fucking move here. I need to make a move that he's not going to forget. So I knew we were on great terms. I knew he loved the record. There was a couple of things we had to iron out logistically. And I was like, fuck this. I'm, I'm turning up to this meeting in a kilt. I'm going full <laughs> Scottish on this guy. So I, I, turned up to, I turned up in a kilt and Cappy walks in the room and he's, he's on his phone like this. His head's down looking at his phone. And he's like, hey, how you doing? Fucking nice. So he said to me, he said, fucking nice. He's like, great job. We sat there. We spoke for like a couple of hours. I played him some new. He was like, I want to hear some new stuff. I've heard the five songs that you've got in the EP, um, which comes out at the top of next year. Plug. And uh, he was like, yeah, like, let's listen to some more songs. So I played him a bunch of new demos. And he was like, he was like, do you know what? He was like, I was worried that you were going to be a guy that had five songs. He's like, if this is, you know, what's coming down the line in the future, he's like, I'm in. Yeah, 100%. And, I, and I write with a lot of Luke's buddies. I write with a guy called James McNair and Thomas Archer, um, Air McNair, we like to call him, who's very good buddies with Cap. And James had actually, you know, because Cap's a family guy. Cap likes to represent people that represent people well. Right. You know, that's the best way I can talk about Cap, which I think is a great thing to do. You know, no, because when I go out and I'm here at Stoney's, best place in Vegas, best place in town, let's go. Um, I'm representing not only myself, but I'm representing Makeway Artists. 100%. I'm representing Cappy. I'm representing Broken Bow Records. I'm yeah. representing my band. I'm representing my family. Like, yeah. So Cap's a big family guy. So we do this, play it to him. Air McNair had apparently called him two days before, and he's like, wrote this unbelievable song with Jordan. Like, you need to sign this kid. you know. And apparently a few people called Cap and was like, you need to take this kid. He's great. So Cap said that to me. He's like, the fact that I'm getting calls from people that I love and trust telling me that you're a great person which is very humbling to hear from other people and that you, you know, have these songs and these people love working with you. He's like, I'm in, I'm in. hundred percent. So that's how it happened. And Cap signed me there and I'm with Tyler. So Cappy is my, Cappy is my William Wallace. He's the guy that looks, he's the, he's the leader of the battle. And then Tyler is my lead manager and does everything day-to-day -day like, stuff he, with me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's day-to-day -day and lead and Cappy is my hammer. Cappy is like, you know, when Ka when we need to get in somewhere or we we don't have that connection, Cappy just makes them all, you know? And right. the good thing is Cappy, Tyler and I are in this together and Cappy's kind of, you know, his Tyler's mentor. So I think Cappy loves watching Tyler grow as well because Tyler looks after me and Nico Moon, which right. is great. And Cap looks after, obviously, me and Nico and stuff. So and it's everybody. Just, yeah, and, every, <laughs> and, and everybody. But it's just such a great thing to be with someone like Cappy, you know, and, and learn from him and learn from his wisdom and he, very um, lucky. I, I I told you my experience with him here last night in regards to when he came and played here and yeah. some bullshit that happened. But he is he he, he remembers the good and stuff. And so when when he yeah, when Luke he came does. and played um, T-Mobile here with um, Ashton McBride and mm -hmm. Ray Fulcher, yep. I was in the back shooting the shit with with Cappy right before Luke went on. And he goes, "Do me a favor, Toad. Next week, let me know what you think of the show." And to me, that's an honor in yes. in some sense that that someone would even. I saw Luke in his infancy, mm -hmm. literally. When we I say his infancy, here. yeah, he was here yeah, in 2016, I think it was. And I can tell you, there's Russell Dickerson was here in 2016. Like, like there's a lot of um, Brett Young. Like I had Riley Green before he was Riley Green. Big Riley Green fan. Yeah, yeah. he's fucking Alabama, awesome. bro. Yeah. Alabama, let's go. <laughs> yeah, but it's just so much fun. Like I like I like to build I like to build stuff with people and watch them grow. I think I said last night I would love to have Russell back here. I don't think that we could afford it, yeah. but it would be neat to come back um, 
after everything, his successes. So he was here 2017, Russell was. He played on a Thursday um, right before, um, I want to say, was that major? It had to be right before Root. And then he was getting, like a week later, he was getting his, uh, or two, two weeks later, his uh, platinum presentation at the wow. Exit Inn in Nashville. So everyone in the band, including Russell and everyone, are like, hey, dude, you won't meaning I wouldn't show up. And then his wife comes off the bus and goes, hey, Toad, I go, what? And she goes, you won't. So what did I do? I flew out. Didn't say yes, anything to legend. Russell. I only, I only talked to the tour manager and Chris, and I said, bro, I'm coming. So Russell's standing outside getting his presentation outside the exit yeah. in that little food thing, whatever. He turns around and he goes, what's up, Toad? What the f- are you doing here? And I that's was like, amazing. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that we like to do as well. But I love to watch you guys grow. That's, Dude, that's so kind. That's my passion. It always ha- If you go back to me 20 years ago, it's what I used to do here at the House of Blues. I'd yep. four wall the House of Blues. I'd get these new bands together. And I would kind of like not necessarily do showcases, but I would pitch, yep. you know, just. And then I would get L.A. would come up my ass like crazy because I wasn't really necessarily doing country. I was doing mostly everything else. And so I was yeah. I was pitching bands to L.A. like crazy. They would call me if they needed a drummer and I would send drummers out of Vegas down there because we had this pool here of just phenomenal artists. And it, that was the fun for me was getting to do all that. So, you know, I always get asked the question, what are you going to do long term? And long term, it's just going to have to be music, you know, because it's just Fuck something yeah. involving with, with music. And I'm not saying promotion per se. Yeah. I enjoy it, but... Um, I just love watching you guys grow. Like mm-hmm. from, I love watching what Cappy does with these artists and just blowing them up. You look at Nico. You look at yeah. look at. Um, I think he's got Ashlyn Craft. Is yes. she there? Yeah. I mean, just w- w- watching her grow as well. Even Ray Fulcher for that. Haley Witters. Um, I love Ray Fulcher. I love watching him write and grow and yeah. like his pride that he has in everything that he does. And it's it's neat. It's just watching. I love to watch. I love to see people and have a hand in it. And you saw the back wall. We've had a hand in a lot of artists, a lot of your friends. And um, that's what this is all about, man. Dude, and I love that so much. And I think that, you know, I want to make Stoney's a, a place I always want to come back to. I'll tell you that. This is a, it's such a cool place. It's such a legendary place. And, you know, it is literally like a true honor to be here. And for you, you know, to, to invite me to come here and have my first ever gig. My first, And this isn't me just saying like, oh, it's his first gig in Vegas. Like, this is my first ever gig. You know, I did a showcase for my label and my team. And they were like, you're ready. Like, we're Let's going. Go. We're yeah. going. You know, and this is my first ever show. And it's people like yourself that help the up and coming artists. Because that stage, by the way, isn't a stage that artists on their first gig should be playing. Like, that is a, like an amazing stage. The sound here, the people here. And like, I, I see a lot of like, I understand why you and Cappy get on because the people you employ represent this place really well. Absolutely. Down to the boat. I mean, I've only met the sound guys right now, and they were both phenomenal. Like, <laughs> phenomenal here. And that's that's so reassuring when an artist coming in here and being spoken to politely and being treated with respect and treating these guys respectfully back, which my band does, which is great. You you have to. I'll give you a little bit of history. Chris that owns the place, he was really good friends with Joey from Warrant, and he would go on the road with Warrant um, right. back in the 80s or whatever. So we both left the business for a year, par- partnership stuff with the business, whatever, and him and I came back. He called me one day. He's like, dude, you want to go back and do it our way? And this is our way because the end of the day, my thought process is this. If you leave here and have a good time, you get treated with respect. The yes. first thing you're going to do is you're going to be like, dude, that people are going to ask, how was it? It was fucking badass. It was fucking badass, yeah. Take Let's your story back. from last night. Not such a great experience. No. You're not going to walk around and talk about how awesome your experience was. Sadly not. You're not. And the bummer about that is I can't pay you to talk highly about your event last night. I couldn't. No, no. had nothing... I don't say nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> 
I got you in there, but the rest of it had nothing to do with me. Yes. But I look at it as a sense when you leave here, I, I want this to be one of the best experiences. Like I ran into Cappy at, at Root, and his thing to me was still to date the best hospitality we've ever had. And I want that to go. And I know that that does travel well. We're not legendary for no reason. I mean, we're legendary 100%. Be- because we respect you guys. Which uh, is so great, man. I like to say there's a lot of artists that come through, and when they get routed, pre-COVID, there was yeah. a lot of West Coast routing going on, and they would be on the road for like maybe six weeks, and they would come through up through Montana, Washington, and then down through Northern California, Idaho, into Utah, and then they would work way down to Vegas, and then they would head to San Diego or Arizona, yeah. and then they would move uh, a little more east. But they'd always say, once we saw Stoney's on there, we just wanted to get to Stoney's because it was, it's home. And that's what they would say. And to me, that's pride. That's that makes me happy. Gives me a lot of pride in what I'm doing. Absolutely. And that, and again, going back to what you said about you know nurturing talent and and being a champion of these up and coming artists. Like for me, when we go back to the early part of this conversation, when you, you were talking about me coming over here and the Keith Urban influence and all this, like there, country music is growing globally, and we can see that. And it's yeah. been growing globally at a very fast rate. I mean, we're selling our arenas now. We're close to stadiums, I think, um, for these C2C festivals and all that. And knowing that one of the biggest music markets in the whole entire world is the is the British market combined with the European market and this ever-growing uh, demand for country music, my dad always said to me that once they get one of their own and you bridge that gap, then I want to be the bridge for the gap for artists from Britain, all these amazing songwriters who have got such a love for country music, you know, Irish, Scottish, to come over here and know that Nashville isn't untouchable because I will hand on heart say that I would not be in Nashville, Tennessee, if it wasn't for Keith. Yeah, he you're, influ- you're he showed me it can influence, be done. Yeah, yeah. And like, I want to be the guy that can help these young kids of ten years old who are doing Elvis covers or Johnny co- uh, Johnny Cash covers or you know Sturgill covers in their bedroom, you know, shaking their hips and playing guitar, thinking that one day they can get to Nashville. Well, when touch wood, I'm gonna say when when they see me and when they see that I've done it, I want to be that gap to help these people come right through and be like, okay. Because I feel like country music is so diverse now, which is, is an amazing thing to see. That I want these younger kids to come through. I want to really try and inspire these kids to show that like, if you push yourself outside your comfort zone, you, amazing things can happen. And Nashville Absolutely. is touchable now. It's funny. Nate Smith was just here. You know, I don't know if you know who, who that guy is. Not personally, but I know a big fan of him. Like Great guy. He, he was just here. He was in Nashville, moved back to California. Yep. Didn't work for him the first time. Mm-hmm. He said he did the walk of shame and showed up in Nashville with like 14 bucks in his wallet, slept in his car, and now yep. look at him. I, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great stories out there that people that just, that you you have to tell them that if that's their passion, pursue it. Period. End of story. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I couch surfed. Literally, I slept in the, in the sunroom. Luckily, I had a roof over my head. I slept in the sunroom of my friend Sam's little one-bedroom apartment. It was enough just for a double bed. That was it. And uh, I had a little hot plate that I cooked my food off of. And I, I had no money, bro. Even until I got my first gig in Tootsie's, like, I'd go down to sit at the bars because that's what I thought was the way to, you know, get my career forward, which for my, everyone's path is different. So that sure. was my God-given path, you know? So I'd sit down there and I'd be like, fuck, like $7 for a beer. Like, I've only got like six to eight bucks to last me till Monday. And this would be on a Wednesday or like it'd be a Tuesday. Yeah. And I'd have to eat and I'd have to like pay $20 a week for energy bill as well to pay towards like the energy. So I was like... You know, it, it was tough, man. And like, I'm like, but I, I want to be part of this. And I would just get up and, and sing there and again, like downtown. And it was just, it was, it was weird, man. Looking back on that to, to going from having absolutely nothing to having even just a little right now. You know, I have yeah. still very small. I don't have anything like luxurious yet, but I have enough to pay rent and to like put gas in my car and buy food, which is amazing. You know, and buy the odd. And you're doing what you love. Cool light in my clothing there and again. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, 
you know, if I'm lucky enough, touch wood, to have the success, like I have these moments to look back on. And I feel like people that go through those moments, most people, I would say the largest percentage of people are very grateful because again, I go back to Luke. I mean, you've got Luke Combs playing stadiums, one of the biggest artists in the whole of this format, probably going to be one of the biggest artists in this format ever is one of the most humble yeah. and grateful dudes. And that is the kind talk about inspiring people like that to me is inspirational and i'm sure he looks back on the moments of being like i had shit you know i was playing in bars and things were going wrong and all this and like look at me now and hopefully you know touch wood i get to my dream has always been to sell at madison square garden you know and when i'm on that stage one day in madison square garden i really hope that there'll be young kids looking at me being like i can do that right you know because at the end of the day luke was just a kid saying looking at garth or these are these great artists being like i can do that and look at him now he was also in a bad place too at the beginning of his career if i'm not mistaken yeah like before everything got got rad for him madison square garden yes goal you're the headliner yes who's coming with you seaforth cool dude that's if they don't beat me to it right you know Cause I'm, yeah, they're my best friends. They're my brothers. Um, a song that's actually, I've got a song coming out on my EP, um, top of next year called thing about change, which I wrote about my girlfriend, um, meeting her and how I used to be a stubborn asshole. And then I softened when I met her and, uh, he, uh, Tom produced that from Seaforth. Um, and then I'm playing a song tonight. It's, it's Tony's, um, single at the same time. And I wrote that with Tom and Mitch from Seaforth. How funny is this? So let's talk extreme full circle. Yes. Seaforth was supposed to play here tonight. Wow. They were. I have them that I, I had an offer in for them tonight. And when all the Life is Beautiful stuff came, yes. I pitched them to play last night in your spot before. Yeah. Sh- shit, probably three weeks before even talking to you. Wow. Funny. They, That's crazy. But I guess this weekend, one of the guys in the band has family from overseas that yeah. came to visit. Tom's mom's coming from Australia. Yeah. There you go. Which That's is actually true. Fact that no one's lying there. That's actually so, true. Fact no, I'm just in. saying, why don't you go ahead and uh, call Tom and tell him thank you? Yes. I will. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny? When, when my phone started ringing, there, look at that. There you go. There's Tom Jordan right there. You should tell him yeah, that I you're will. playing a slot. Dude, I, well, it's funny because I told him and we were talking on the phone last night and we, he was like, oh, dude, like, have the best time and all this sort of stuff. But those guys musically are so gifted as humans and so sweet as humans and you know it's been a real honor to like write music with my brothers and you know i think that we we, we talk about this you, you look at this with like luke and the other artists and you all know artists have artist friends yes it is a real thing and we always dream about like fucking how class would it be boys if we we're selling out you know five thousand tickets in the uk and, we and you're with your friends and we're sinking pints and like that's what we love we love the queen god bless her heart and god bless her soul rest in peace wonderful women and we love beer. We love the pub. Like, we love... Tom and I are in the pub in Nashville. There's a British pub. We're there four nights a week. When right. we can, yeah. And, like, last week, we're, we're going on, on a Tuesday. We were there. I was with Tom on, on Wednesday. And it's a great thing because we're all dreamers. You know what I mean? Like, we're all dreamers, and we're all dreaming of this this life that we... Because at the end of the day, why, why we do music is I do music to entertain someone i don't do music for myself yes i love writing a song and hearing it back and going that's my jam right but i write music because music has had so so much music out there has had such an impact on my life good bad whatever heartbreak happiness and i want to write music that touches people and they can get something from so when i go on that stage i'm like i'm going to kick this down your throat you know because i want people to have an experience i want to give people I want to entertain people. And sure. people that do music for themselves, I don't think have the longest lasting careers. You have to do music for people, for the people. You I think that your your role, not you specifically, but your role in a band as the yes. as the singer 
I always have said this, and I will continue to say it. There has to be a little something off about you. Not in a bad way, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's pretty fucked up if you think about this. You're sharing your story yep. of what you've been through yep. personally, yep. in the writing, someone that you've written with yes. that you can relate to. Yeah. And you're trying to share that with people you don't know yep. in hopes that they get it. One million percent. So I always sit back and go, that dude's fucked up, but in a good way. Yeah. Because I couldn't do that. I, I mean, I've been through some shit. Uh, I'll tell my friends my shit, but I'm not yeah. going to tell people I don't know. A hundred percent. And so I always look at stuff. So I have my my buddy Austin was in a band, uh, and he, he would sell himself. It was fucking badass. They got signed to our RCA, and then they got fucked like every other fucking band does. Yeah, but whatever. Look, I see. I said fuck. Um, <laughs> but I sit back and like, I know that dude's fucked up because he's a friend of mine. Yeah, he's a great dude. But to go out there and sell your story to people you don't know is is uh, you people don't understand it. They just no. don't understand what you guys go through uh, uh, as a writer, as yeah. a performer. Because I used to joke. So I got a TikTok. I got it. Uh, my kid that you met last night. Yes. She sweetheart. She gets it on my phone, and it's it's to- toad t o k. I got toad talk. Let's go. But my point with with that was what I wanted to do with it was to show people that you guys are human. That mm-hmm. was the whole reason why I did it. Yeah, man. But I don't use it. Um, but I wanted to show that you guys just don't fly into Vegas, do some hookers and blow, do your show, and get on no. a plane and go to the next place. Because that's no one really understands what that you guys are just regular people. They, yeah, we are. They people don't get that. No. And what was that? I don't know. Somebody just showing. That's that's what I want to do. Is like I, I just want to expose the fact that you guys are regular people, and you this is just your work. So, some people sell cars. Some people w- work in an oil factory. Some people, you know, they sell real estate. Some people yep. are bartenders. It's just everybody has their thing, and if they're good at it, they excel at it. Kudos, dude, a hundred percent. And I think that for me, music is such a therapeutic thing for not only myself, um, but for the people around me because. I write these, I, I go through bad situations in life. Luckily, I've gone through great situations, you know, in the last few years with love and happiness and all this sort of stuff. But, well, I say that uh, on, on the one hand, and then, you know, I did unfortunately lose like a grandparent in the last few years. So there's always something. And at the end of the day, music is all about, the, the biggest selling songs of all time are all about love, but it's just how you spin it. Sure. It's all about love. Love is heartbreak, love is happiness, but it's just yeah. about how do you say it in a different way that's not been done before. And that is literally the best-selling songs in the world, or that's what they are. You know who Larry Fleet is? Yeah. Have you heard Where I Find God? I have not. I ride dirt bikes, and I always like to say that that's the place where I, I, I talk to God. Yeah. Majority of the time, it's right before I fall. Yeah. Or something like that, or right after God, I almost me. fell. Yeah, or yeah. God, thank you for not letting me fucking yeah. die or anything like that. But I also talk to him when I'm riding, like when I get done, I'm like, dude, thank you so much for that. Then this song comes out by Larry Fleet where I find God, and it's just the neatest thing in the world because he talks about how it's okay in your own way. Everyone has their own way that they find God. And yep. I just think it's like, that's one of those relatable things for me that I sit back and I'm like, I love music. Yes. I love the stories. Um, I love how it relates to stuff. Yeah, man. Um, y- People will look at Alabama Girl and listen to the lyrics of it, and they'll be able to spin it into their own life, and that's what it's about. That's exactly what that's that because that song isn't a glorified, it isn't me glorifying Alabama. It's just me saying that geographically she's from there. Yeah. Um, one thing I definitely want you to do tonight is when I play a song called "Thing About Change," listen to that song from a lyrical standpoint, okay. because that song is literally about a guy who I I was. I always chased the light and I never found anyone that was going to take that away from me. And you 
you know, come across as a very driven person, like what you do in your life and in your career. And I'm sure that's had a large impact on you throughout your life. But then when that hat, when you're, you're moving a million miles an hour and you know, you have love sometimes relationships here and there that don't ultimately work out because you're just not in tune. And then you meet that person. And that's when everything goes and flips on its ass. And every single thing in life from that point on completely perspective on life completely shifts. And that's exactly what that song is about. It's like, the hook on that song is, I never liked the thing about change until you changed everything. And that's exactly what it is. It's just yeah. that moment that that person comes along into your life. And there, that doesn't just have to be about, again, we talk about love, but think of how many ways you can take that song. For example, yeah. when you have a kid, you know, when, you know, when you get married, when you do meet the love of your life, when, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Before I, a job, I, anything well, like when that. When I met yeah. Tom, like again, and again, it's just Tom has become like one of my best friends and how I even remove the verses of that song and just what's the core message of that song It's I never liked the thing about change. So you change everything. And I was just a guy that lived in a small bubble who loved music and did his thing and have my buddies and all that sort of stuff. But then when you meet a best friend, for example, and that person comes into your life and helps you through hard moments. And then you feel like, for example, I was really bad at talking openly about my feelings about things. If I was going through a hard day or whatever, but now Tom and I go to the pub and I just offload my shit right. and he offloads his shit. And like, I would never have, I would never have done that to any other friend I've had in my whole entire life. But I, for some reason he came into my life and, and we it's have easy. this great relationship together. Yeah. He's my, he's my brother. And like, he literally is a brother to me with, you know, non-blood binded, but you know, that's, that's what it is. And, we, and family isn't always blood. Dude. And he, yeah, absolutely. And he changed that. You know, my mom was adopted. So like, I, I know that, you know, I mean, family, I have my grandma, you know, technically isn't my blood grandma, but she's my grand, you know, she, sure. she brought me up. She's, she's the, you know, a big, huge backbone in my life. So it's crazy. That song sends, I feel like that song sends such a global message and out of the record itself, when it comes out, I feel like that is the song that has resonated the hardest with people because what? I think that everyone can can relate to And when song. does that come out? It comes out in January. That song specifically on the EP comes out in January. And so do you only have Alabama Girl on Spotify? Still? Currently, yeah. And on October 7th, actually, we are releasing another song. Which, which one I'm is playing that? Tonight. The song is called I Will. Okay. Um, and that, I wrote that back in Scotland in the pandemic. Sweet. In my mom's bedroom. We have to get, we have to open in a half hour. So tell people how to find you online. Yeah, absolutely. Love a chat, mate. Love a chat. Well, firstly, all I want to say is Stoney's is freaking awesome and you're awesome. And Thank I am you. so honored to be here, as are my bandmates, as are my whole team. And I'm just so excited that my first ever show is here at Stoney's. And I pray to God that you'll have us back because I'll you know, let you know after the, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I, actually, I, saw, I saw you last night. I'm not worried about it. One one other question before you yeah, go. Of course. You, you have played the Opry before, but did you play it with King Calloway? I did, yeah. Okay, um, so that doesn't count. Yeah, okay, yeah. so when you do your Opry debut... Please come. Give me a little bit of notice and I will be there. Please come. I would and love... Uh, I went... I told you, I went with... Uh, my first one was with Stephanie Quayle, then yep. Tony Jackson, and then I just went back this past year for yeah. Sam Grows. Oh, great. And Sam is my boy, and he... Um, he... His daughter was there. Uh, um... And I've never held back tears before so hard in my life to see his story. Um, and he has a song called "Why," you, dude, my my hair, yeah. the hair on my arms. Uh, he's got a song "Why uh, Why You Got to Go Right Now." Yeah, and and it's about it's about him growing up with his dad, and they go fishing, and he's asking his dad, "Why do we have to leave fishing right now?" And his dad's like, "Well, you got school tomorrow. Like, 
yeah, we, we yeah. have to go right now. The end of the song is he's out on the road, his dad's in the hospital getting ready to pass, and he makes it back to the hospital and says to his dad, Dad, why do you have to go right now? I, I bit everything. Yeah. Like, you know when you're a man and you're like, uh, watching yep. a movie, you don't want to cry. Look, yeah. look at the hair on my arms. Yep. But I got to witness something that I is to me is priceless. Yeah. Two things happened that night. His daughter got to see him shine, and his dad got to see him shine. Even though his dad's not here, his dad saw him. And it was probably yeah. one of the neatest things I've ever got to experience. And That's incredible. I, I think that you will take the Opry a little bit different this time as yourself. A hundred percent. I'd love to be a part of that. I would, That'd be badass. Dude, I would absolutely love to have you. Though. That would be such an honor for you to come over and see me do that. And obviously, my parents will be here from Scotland. When that happens, Huge. we have no confirmed date yet. Um, but I'm sure, you know... It'll happen. Man. It will happen. And... Uh, you can meet them. My dad loves whiskey, so Blue Valor. I'll get bring yours it. now. And, uh, um, Total wine here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> get it local. And um, as to your question before, you can find me on all social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, under Jordan Harvey Music. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-H-A-R-V-E-Y music and keep up to date with everything that I'm doing. A fun question. I know that yeah. Tyler yes. used to run Tim Montana's socials. He did. Does he run yours? He does. So honestly, sometimes he posts shit on my Instagram. I have to call him. I'm like, bro, are you trying to sabotage my career? Like, I would never <laughs> fucking say that, bro. Like, what is wrong with you, dude? You know? But I love Tyler and Tim Montana as well. Good dude. Label buddy. So, you know, rock on BBR and, you know, again, I feel like I'm in Stoney's tonight. God is good. It's a God thing, man. I'm it happy is. to be here. I uh, I trust the process, man. And, you know, to everyone that listens to this, love to all. Thank you again for the time. You're the guy. I heard the girls down south, they're beautiful. But when she came around, I was like, whoa. God knows I'm a goddess. Fell hard for a southern daughter. Down here, I'm a fish out of water.